Hey brokers, it's Mark Summers, president of AIM. I'm excited to announce that I will be the new host of AIM's podcast, Broker to Broker. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators, just like me. Download today, available on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Welcome everyone back to another great episode of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I'm the president of AIM. Um, as always, extremely excited for today's show. Um, really excited about the topics that we have. The, the pre-discussion that we had was phenomenal. Uh, once again, just trying to do our best to give value. And I think this person right here will, will add a lot of value and hit on a lot of different uh, a lot of different points here. So today I'm going to be interviewing a mortgage broker from Nexa Mortgage. And welcome, everyone. And welcome, Wade Betts. Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate you having me. Oh, no, no. Trust me, the pleasure is all mine, Wade. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, the content brief that we had, uh, you know, it, it, you hit on a lot of points and we're going to hop right into them. Uh, one of my favorite things I always love to do is find out how you got into this business, because I'm still besides family. I'm still waiting for someone to say, yeah, when I was a freshman in high school, I wanted to be a mortgage broker. Um, yeah, I thought yeah. it was going to happen, but I'm looking forward. So tell me a little bit how you got how you got uh, into this industry. Like everyone else, you just kind of fall backwards into it. Uh, so. The reality is when I uh, graduated college, I knew I wanted to be in the real estate field, okay? Well, that's pretty pretty big field. Uh, it can be anything from like landman to property management, realtor, whatever it is. Right. And so the, the short version of this is that my uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife, uh, went to a, a party with some friends who met someone who was in commercial real estate who told her about a mixer that I should go to. Uh, and uh, I showed up there, met somebody who introduced me to somebody and that, that those dominoes kept falling until I finally ended up at the, uh, the end of the trail, which was a gentleman, he was a headhunter who had just finished refinancing his mortgage, who the loan officer there mentioned, hey, keep your eyes open for some green talent. We're looking to hire someone new to the industry and train them. And from the time my wife went to the event to the time that that conversation happened, that was like 11 months of, of following one lead to the next. Uh, and uh, I interviewed, uh, got the job, and that man that hired me was my boss uh, until I resigned from the retail world and joined the brokerage world. And that was like a 14-year career there. So it was... Uh, it was quite the uh, the journey uh, from uh, from start to finish. Yeah, so just like you said, you pretty much just fell into it, and oh, totally. obviously made a made a great career about it. So you were you were fourteen years in the retail. I was. Yeah. So obviously, some big big differences there. The way you do business, I know that's kind of where we're going to go uh, yeah. with 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 this episode. So, all right, tell me a little bit about your business here. You know, uh, are you are you a referral guy? Yes. So uh, being in it as long as we we have been, um, essentially, we've got a large past client database. And so uh, most of my business comes from that. Now, that wasn't a, the case in the very beginning, of course. But uh, as you add clients uh, uh, to your portfolio, essentially, and then nurture them and stay in front of them, uh, that grows to a very large uh, uh, pillar uh, of your business if you do it right. Uh, and essentially uh, from there, then realtors would be the next biggest pillar for me. I know that's not how a typical loan officer has their business structured. Most of the time, it's real heavy uh, realtor for the most part and some past client, but I'm I'm kind of flip-flopped on that. 
Okay, so all right. So, so tell me, tell me this: what makes a good referral relationship? A good referral relationship with like a referral partner, um, respect. I would say uh, I stay in my lane; they stay in their lane. They trust me to do what I do because they know I'm going to keep my word. Uh, does it always go perfect? No, of course not. This is mortgage after all. You know, it's like the bike's on fire, everything's on fire type of analogy. Uh, so it just, it, it takes some some mutual respect and trust to have a good referral relationship. Uh, and so you just have to look to people that align with you. I mean, do I have the, the onesie twosie agents that call me every time uh, uh, or every other, every now and then? Yeah, sure. Uh, but do I have other ones that call every single time they have a client yeah and those are the ones you try to get more of <laughs> and it's right. harder to do these days uh, now that rates have started to rise again i'm sure every quality realtor is getting their doors busted down right now i yeah no trust me i, I couldn't agree people uh people are starting to do a little freak out you know what i mean but i think that the seasoned people and you know people who know what they're doing i think it's it's gonna be fine it's it's okay i mean these rates are in my eyes aren't gonna go up extremely high it's just it's kind of resetting itself it's just not going to be as easy in my eyes it's all relative but that's why you have to have multiple pillars in your business so if one pillar goes away if your house crumbles because of that you don't have a good business set up not a good model set up so you need to be diversified and if you don't have and, and the opposite is true too if you're too heavy purchase you're, you're you're doing a disservice to your past clients you're not taking care of them why would you not help them save tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes six figures? And that compounded over time could equal multiple six figures or even into the seven figures of net worth difference for people if you just help guide them. So if you're like 95% purchase, that's awesome. But you're like, you've left so much money on the table for your clients, not just for you and commissions, but for your clients that you're just doing them a disservice. And that's where other people will step in and um, essentially, what's the saying? Like, uh, if you're not touching your your past clients, they're someone else's prospects now. That's right. what's happening. The quickens of the world are coming for us. So you have to be in front of your clients. Otherwise, someone else will be. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, it, it, you're right. The, the commissions will come. But I mean, just taking care of your clients. I mean, that's that's kind of how I always feel about things. I, you know, the, the money comes, I kind of look at the end. Okay. What did I really make on that deal per se? You know I mean? What were my, but you know, if you really take care of them, that's where, you know, that's, that's where we hit home runs, I think as, as, uh, as brokers. Um, okay. So one of your pillars is realtors, as you said here, how do you, how do you stay in front of them? Do that in a couple of ways. Uh, for one, you have to leverage the transactions you already got. So if, if you want to add some realtor partners, just do a really good job on your loans and then ask to meet with them. Set that up in the beginning. You know, if I close on time accurately with lots of communication, can I visit with you afterwards to celebrate over coffee and talk shop? They will always say yes. Then you just have to nail them down on what they promised you in the beginning. So that's, that's the easiest low-hanging fruit. The next thing that you want to do is essentially use the buddy technique, which is someone that already know, likes, and trusts you to introduce you to somebody that you want to know. So who do you know that knows who you want to know? And then the basically the, the third technique would be um, really cold calling, uh, frankly. Uh, that's what uh, a lot of people will do, especially starting out. Uh, it's not sexy. It's not easy. There's a great, great book called Go For No that really helped me when I was uh, having some head trash around wanting to uh, uh, cold call and whatnot. 
uh, but you get over it really quick when you realize that that's what your livelihood um, revolves around in the beginning, at least to, to get your foot in the door. So I don't cold call that much anymore. I've got a dialer that frankly sets up appointments for me. Uh, that's been tremendously successful. They just fill my calendar with them now and I just show up and make the calls. And of course, the goal is to take that from online and over the telephone into like a real world uh, coffee appointment, for example. But it's all relative. Uh, so uh, some other things you can do to, to stay in front of realtors, like for me, uh, I was real big into teaching uh, lunch and learns uh, uh, pre-COVID. Uh, and that's all shifted to Zoom. And I did that for a couple of years before I got in with a title company. Uh, and now I'm basically a CE provider uh, for them. And I have a CE class every single week. They fill the room, you know, anywhere from five to 20 people, but I don't have to do anything but show up. And it's all Zoom right now uh, still. So it's a very efficient use of my time and then keeps me in front of those agents. And then afterwards, for all of these people, connect with them on social media. And then I've got a private Facebook group that I have set up for just realtors, uh, where I push a lot of business building content, motivational stuff. So it allows me to be the, the, the ringleader, if you will, because, of course, I'm the only loan officer in that group. And I think I've got almost 400 agents in that now, where it's just my content in front of them. And I, and so I put a lot you, of effort into that. Here, I got to stop you right there. You have a private Facebook group for approximately 400 realtors and you're the only loan officer in it? Yes, exactly. And really like, and this is what I try to get across to people sometimes and is how much should that cost you? Nothing. Right? Time. Um, no, it's just time. Right. It's, so, it's your time. Yeah. And here's a pro tip. You can repurpose other people's content for your own uh, uh, own stuff, okay? And because I'm the only loan officer in that group, honestly, I don't have to worry about are they connected with other friends on my friend list that might see something similar. It just doesn't matter because I'm only posting stuff like that in that group. So yeah, I put some stuff on my uh, business page and my um, and my personal page, but most of the time, my personal page is just for personal stuff. Uh, whereas the business page is really much more boring stuff, but that realtor group specifically, that's where I'm throwing a lot of stuff in there. I don't remember how many Facebook friends I have now. I want to say like 16, 1700 and 400 of them essentially are in this group. So I'm trying to get more and more because I want to be the ringleader of that circus. And I put a lot of content in there. I think I'm posting twice a day in there. I've got it built out. So literally Facebook lets you schedule a uh, post up to two months out. And I've got two posts a day already set to go out all the way through October. Sorry, not October, uh, April uh, 26th at this point. Wow. That's, that's, that's great right there. I love that. I mean, cause it's just, you're just giving content, you're giving your expert advice, you're giving just, you're giving yourself to it. And that's all that sometimes that's all that they need. And I see them, I see these agents take some of that content and repurpose it on their own timelines. A, like a lot. It happens every single day. They're grabbing something that I put in my group and they're going to their personal timeline and posting it as their own. And of course I comment, I don't throw them under the bus for anything because we've all uh, borrowed uh, content from our peers. Uh, but it's just nice to see that they're engaging with it and uh, and using it for their own purpose. I absolutely love it. That's, that's phenomenal. I, I think I'm going to probably steal that a little bit more 
Um, I, I have something similar to it, but not like that. I got to, I'm doing it. It's called bad for you. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. All right here. So let's talk, uh, let's, let's hop into a little bit here about uh, technology. Would you say you utilize technology pretty darn good? I think my coach would say that I have more widgets than I need. Uh, so yes, I've got, I've got technology uh, and the, the struggle is how to connect it all. Uh, so I will tell you my my absolute favorite piece of technology has got to be hands down HomeBot. So for someone like me that's got thousands of past clients, that is an instrumental piece of my client retention plan. And I will tell you nothing at, comes close to saving my bacon like HomeBot did when I transitioned from retail to the broker world. Because I'm, I'm, I've always been a big believer of own your own systems. So I was always very hesitant, even though I was perfectly happy in my retail career for a very long time. I was very hesitant to go all in on their systems because what if one day I decided to move? A, a, a healthy business, in my opinion, is a portable business. Right. So you have to have your system set up in breadcrumbs laid out so that if you do need to make an exit to something different, that you're not putting your family's livelihood in, in jeopardy. Okay. So like for me, HomeBot was amazing because literally all I had to do was swap out the logo and change the email address and I was done. Nothing changed. So I had my own CRM. So I, I was just able to really kind of pick up and, and, and move with not a lot of disruption to like my day to day. Now don't get me wrong. I was like drinking from a fire hose in the beginning because it's just so much. And then because that, that all happened like right before COVID hit, so it was just kind of unfortunate timing or fortunate timing, however you want to look at it. Uh, so uh, the HomeBot piece in particular really helped. Uh, I think you got to have a CRM. Uh, there's no best one out there. Just find one that you're going to use. I'm about to launch uh, a new one myself, actually, that comes with the Art of Home Ownership platform. So I've signed up for that recently, and that uh, CRM should launch next week, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm, I'm really excited because some of my struggles have been some of these pieces all over the place. It's hard to connect them all. Right. And so it, it should allow me to bring basically everything under one umbrella. And I'm super excited because I've got some redundant technologies as well that I could probably do without. So just from a P&L standpoint, looking to shed some of these widgets uh, should be really impactful for my uh, profitability, frankly but you got to have technology. So like for me, Flowify on the front end, HomeBot, um, I've got uh, whatever CRM you want. Uh, I use CoVideo for my video platform. Uh, I know BombBomb is really big as well, but I think you have to have a video component to your business. Uh, those are some of the, the, the bigger ones uh, that I will use uh, from a technology perspective. Yeah, touch, touch base for me a little bit on HomeBot. I mean, I know they are a bad partner and I'm not trying to plug them too much here because I think their product speaks for themselves. But give me some numbers here. How much would you say you rely on HomeBot? Or could you could you put a number on it of saying how many deals you get per week, per month or contacts? Give me, give me a little bit more insight on HomeBot because the one thing about HomeBot and I'm speaking to a lot of members that use it, uh, they just plug it in and then kind of don't utilize it as much. You know what I mean? I probably it, fall in the middle. No, no, it, it's it's okay. So I, I can't speak highly enough about the, that product. I mean, HomeBot is is fantastic, and so 
you can get a lot out of it if you, well, you get more out of it if you put more into it, so to speak. So if you're going to really work it, um, it's it's just a gold mine. But like last year, um, with rates getting so low, I mean, I didn't even have time to like mine the data. People were just coming at me from my past client database to, uh, hey, can we look at refinancing? Can we do this? I've got uh, the mortgage coach integration uh, as well. So I would just get requests each week with people like, oh, they want a TCA. So um, that's another vendor that I did not mention that I that you should look into. Uh, mortgage Coach and MBS Highway, fantastic uh, uh, partners as well. So uh, you just have to align yourself with, with vendors that can make your job easier and basically either save you time or make you more money. Okay. And HomeBot does it amazingly. I think the open rates are like 80 and 90%, something just ungodly high. And very, very few people will opt out. Even people, and this happens, of course, because you know you, you can't uh, do that much business and, and retain every client. I've got people that have refinanced elsewhere or gone and purchased like a new construction where I couldn't uh, help them that still want the HomeBot content. And it's like, yes, I'd be happy to keep you in my ecosystem. You know, that's that's Quicken's whole game plan is keep them in the ecosystem. Why would we not want as many people in our personal ecosystem as possible so that we can uh, essentially leverage that for future uh, business? So, and the art of homeownership is going to help with that a lot. Another bad partner. Love it. Exactly. Uh, all right. So you got all this tech going on here. How how did you find out what works best for you? I mean, like that had to have been a ton of trial and error. Well, it helps when um, other people recommend certain um, platforms. So I had known of HomeBot for for a while, uh, but I learned of it from a uh, a coach in the core uh, who uh, was a spokesperson for them. So when I was scrolling through um, Facebook one day and I saw his face on a HomeBot ad, I, it stopped and made me think of it because that that dude was doing like tons of business. I was like, Oh my God, if it's good enough for him, I should at least take a look at it. And then you dig into it. And it's like, Holy cow. Like I could put my like thousands of past clients in there and just let it, just let it do its thing. And like business will just come to me and that it will happen. You will get engagement. But if you also will review the reports about who's opening it and how many times and all that kind of stuff, if you actually mine it for data, uh, it's just that much more powerful because then you can proactively pick up the phone and call them about it. So that, that's the whole purpose of doing anything online or e-marketing or whatever is to get real world contact with them. And don't be afraid of the phone. That's okay. You can talk to people. There doesn't yeah. have to be text messages all the time. <laughs> right. Because that's where I see a lot of things going to. And it's great. Uh, but at the same right. time, if you know that someone opened up your email seven times last week, you know, it's, it's super simple to call them. Right. Yeah. You don't have to tell them, you know, that they opened it seven times. You can say, Hey, I was just thinking about you. How's everything going? Did you survive the great Texas snowmageddon last week? Stuff like that. That's perfect. That's perfect. All right. So I still want to dive a little bit more into your tech. So tell me, tell me the flow and what you use. I know you said you use Flowify and HomeBot in the beginning, right? That's yeah. So um, like from, from cradle to grave. So it goes Flowify uh, into point. So uh, that's the, 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 the system that we use for that. And then of course, into the lenders portal. And then at that same time, when we onboard the file to the investor, to the lender, uh, we're also putting it into our CRM. 
So the CRM I use right now is Extreme Mortgage Works, okay, uh, and soon to be um, uh, Daily AI, uh, which is the one that comes with that Art of Homeownership platform. But so for our, for right now, the the lead goes into uh, the the CRM, uh, and it's got all the milestones and everything, and it pushes out all of the the, the marketing. I don't push it out through Flowify. I push it out through my CRM because I, I want my team in one central place. I don't want them in all different uh, portals if they can avoid it. Um, so it all goes into the CRM. And then after closing, uh, essentially, uh, we run a report uh, where I import uh, the closings into HomeBot. I'll uh, put them into Stick'em uh, to protect myself from EPOs. You know, got to know if they're getting their credit pulled right after <laughs> closing and whatnot. Uh, and then I also put it in Ogbo, which is another bad partner, actually. Um, that's how I've been able to amass, you know, 150 five-star reviews uh, in, uh, uh, in a relatively short period of time. So uh, that's another thing. If you're not controlling your, your Google My Business, uh, you are missing out. You've got to have a Google My Business set up and you have to be driving people that are going to uh, leave positive feedback for you. Uh, to your um, to your my Google My Business page, and Agbo was great at helping with that. See, that's phen phenomenal because we're we're gonna hop in here for a second because I know you came from retail to broker, and I just love hearing those stories. Uh, but at the same time, uh, one thing that I personally think that was separating the mega banks and everything from being a broker was technology. I mean, that kind of was one of the thing you know because you just never knew. You know, we're all on our own deserted island, but, you know, with with AIM, with the community that we have, we're sharing how we, you know, best practices, basically. And with all the technology that we have available, it has grown my business in extreme amounts just with the technology. Um, so now that we know and you haven't been you haven't been a broker for too long either, have you? Just over a year. February of uh, 2020 was my uh, first uh, first day on the broker world. And then COVID hit like just a few weeks later. It's like, awesome. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> kind of makes you second guess the transition. But tell me about the transition. So you're with a retail lender. It seemed like they let you kind of do what you wanted to do for 14 years. But tell, tell me tell me about the transition. So I, I, I didn't, it wasn't sour grapes. Uh, me and my friends in the retail world, uh, we had a good divorce, uh, actually. Like I mentioned that the, the man that hired me uh, in the beginning was my boss to the, to the day I resigned. Um, and honestly, if I didn't have career aspirations to own my own shop, uh, I probably would still be there uh, candidly. Uh, but the fact is you can't own your own mortgage company in the, uh, in the retail world. I mean, not unless you've got, you know, like a gigantic trust fund to buy something. Okay. So, uh, I needed to, um, to take this step uh, and Nexa was a great option for me because they had everything already set up, all of the infrastructure, the investors. I'm a producer, uh, so I just needed some place where I could plug into uh, and figure things out. Like I know you'll be shocked to hear this, Mark. They don't tell you what borrower paid comp is in the uh, in the retail world. So like there was tons that I didn't know, and I'm still learning, honestly. Uh, but it was a, a really pretty good transition. I had a handful of weeks. Uh, for a normal broker market. And then everything kind of uh, hit the fan. Uh, and then it was very, very eye-opening for, for me uh, coming from a, a retail shop where there was one set of rules and guidelines and whatnot 
to now I've got access to like a hundred plus uh, investors and seeing how they all pivoted and reacted to the, to the pandemic and whatnot uh, was really eye-opening. And uh, you know, some of them handled it way better than others. Uh, and some of them um, are just complete dumpster fires. And I just, I would never consider sending a client there, even if they were the last thing on, uh, on, on earth to, to do it. I just, I need to protect my reputation. That's why you have to be very selective with where you're sending your loans because speed matters, price matters too, but it's more about the experience. So you don't have to be the cheapest. You, you can be as a, as a broker, but you don't have to be, okay? So if, and it's all about what value you're adding. So for someone like me, whose value proposition uh, aligns with the art of homeownership, where it's like, look, we can do everything that that an, another lender can do up until closing. It's after closing that makes the difference with us. Because I was already doing annual mortgage reviews and all of this stuff. And that's why the, the past client pillar of my business is 60 and 70% of my closings every single year. So you, you don't have to chase the, the, the whale real estate agent or the big financial planner. Those are great, great partners to have. But if you just pour more into your actual clients, that snowball will feed you very, very well, very well. So it, it's just something that's really worked for me throughout my retail world. Uh, and it's definitely worked for me in the in the broker world. That's awesome. Yeah. And you talked about lenders, you know, and you're right. Some some handled it great. And I would say most of our lending partners did. But one thing that I've been trying to get across to people is you just don't send files to lenders anymore. You want to send them to lending partners. I think right. there's a big difference with that. Um, so, okay. So with your retail to broker, what would you say is the number one thing that separates the broker to the retail or the number one benefit that you saw? Like that you said, oh my God, I can't believe I can do this now. <laughs> well, I mean, borrow pay comp would for sure be uh, the, at the top of that list. Uh, but it's just nice to have the flexibility. So don't get me wrong. The, the retail shop I was at, it was a good shop. Uh, I, I did not have the struggles that I hear a lot of my other retail buddies uh, have. Uh, and so coming to the broker world, uh, you quickly learn who you can trust uh, and, uh, you know, try not to send a purchase deal to a, a lender uh, as your first go around. You know, if you're going to stub your toe, do it on a refi. Um, but it's it was just interesting. Um, it was just interesting. It was it was a good transition uh, and I learned a lot. Um, UWM was a great partner. Uh, I think I closed 62% of my uh, business with them last year. Uh, and so um, I need the certainty around the process with them, you know, especially for, for purchase. Uh, if I have a client that wants to, you know, be, uh, have the lowest rate on, uh, on Loan Sifter, well, that's, that's fine. We can have that conversation, but just know it's going to take like at least a month longer to close. You know, that's the trade-off. Yeah. So as long as you don't have uh, any kind of um, time frame or you know limitation there, we can go that route. Just don't complain when it turns out to be exactly what I promised, which is a little bit of a bumpier ride. So the the analogy that I use all the time is the airplane one. I'm sure you've heard of it, but I'm the airplane captain. I've flown this flight thousands of times. I cannot promise no turbulence, but I do promise if you follow my in-flight instructions, I'll land you safely, okay? Because it's 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 a mortgage. It's it's not a known factor. There's going to be curveballs, especially with COVID, and then like in Texas with the ice storms and everything. It's just like one curveball after the next. So just 
kind of go with the flow, follow my in-flight instructions, and we'll get you there. Wait, I'm not going to lie. I never heard that one. I like it, though. Oh, oh yeah. You got to use the airplane analogy. It's great because everyone can relate to it because everyone's been on a flight. So look, I'm the captain. And so when, I, when I'm telling that to a client uh, who is referred to me by a realtor, I include that realtor in that script. So like if, Mark, if you're the, the, the realtor, it's like, you know, Mark and I are air, airplane captains. You know, we've flown this flight together like thousands of times. Well, Mark, you, you as the realtor, you haven't closed thousands of loans, but I have, and we're a team. So we've flown this flight thousands of times, and I can't promise no turbulence, but if you follow my in-flight instructions or our in-flight instructions, we'll land you safely, and you'll be a happy homeowner building your net worth for years to come. Love it. Love it. Yeah. All right. So when you when you made this transition, as you said, I feel so bad for you. You were two weeks into the in, into the broker world and then COVID hit. What did you what did you learn from that? You know, did you is there any takeaways? Because I'll tell you right now, I took a big takeaway from COVID when it hit, which is, you know, I, I double and triple check everything now uh, just so things don't bite me in the rear end later. Um, and the other thing that I really tightened up during COVID was my process, uh, just how I go about doing things, the daily process, the weekly process, the monthly process, everything. What you have any takeaways from COVID? I guess yeah, so my my business was very, very structured um, when I when I joined the, the broker world. But with all of the lending options, like your process can be the exact same up until you're ready to onboard the file. And then it just splinters off into all these different directions because every single lender is a little bit different. So I've had to, um, I've had to revamp my, my process, my perfect loan process. And even to this day, I mean, we're tweaking it um, all the time. And the new, uh, new loan application uh, is requiring further tweaks. So some of the stuff that we are doing uh, with when we get a loan application is gonna be a little bit obsolete, a little bit different because some of the questions are different. So it's just, it's, it's been an interesting transition uh, just because when I was so systematized in the retail world and then coming to the broker world where it's none of those things are applicable because look, I don't have Encompass right now. So everything I had built around Encompass, which was everything from when the, the app came in afterwards is obsolete. So I had to basically reinvent the wheel. And then as things deteriorated, I would say last year with some of the, uh, um, you know, COVID overlays and having to pivot, you just have to keep your checklist updated and just be flexible, you know, try not to day drink sometimes, but uh, it is, uh, uh, it, it was, it was, a cha- it was a challenging year. Very, very uh, beneficial. Um uh, I mean, we helped a lot of families, a lot for me, uh, but, uh, uh, and it was very lucrative. So I, I feel very blessed uh, to have uh, the experience of last year under my belt. Well, yeah, I mean, you you, that fire. you jumped right into the fire. Yeah. You know, one thing I learned also about COVID is I, I, I I'm not going to lie. I didn't value myself as much as some of my clients value me. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I had about forbearance and their employment yeah. and why. And, you know, it, it was, I felt like a teacher. And, and, and you know, I, in essence, that's what we are. So, right. yeah. You're their uh, sherpa. Got to guide them. At all times. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't realize how much they rely on me. It was kind of, it was kind of eye-opening to me. So, all right. Yeah. 
we hit on a lot of things here today and you're you're not getting away from me yet because i this is great stuff that 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 you're throwing at us here um but one of the last things i love to ask to kind of close out each episode is what advice do you have for a new or upcoming mortgage broker someone flipping from retail to broker whatever the case is what it's your floor to however you know 40,000 members that we have what's one thing or one adv- piece of advice that you would want to give well i mean if you're going to consider flipping from retail to the broker channel and you should give that a hard look to see if it's a good fit for you just make sure you've got your system set up to where you have a portable business so if if everything that that ties you professionally is tied to your employer you don't have a portable business and it's going to be a harder transition for you whereas someone like me i resigned on friday opened up my computer on uh, on monday and i had my crm and i had my home bot and i had all this stuff it was just kind of a business as usual kind of day except for of course all of the uh, onboarding stuff with the new employer uh, but you get my point so if if you're going to build your business i would encourage you to build a portable business even if you don't have plans to go anywhere, just always be ready. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. That's the that's the point, okay? And so uh, essentially, if you are uh, thinking about making that move, talk to some people uh, in in the channel and uh, see uh, see if it's a good fit. You know, for me it was, uh, and I would strongly encourage you to have ownership of your own CRM, uh, even if you're a brand spanking new loan officer, retail or broker, whatever it is. You have to have your own CRM. That is the lifeblood of your business. And you have to have a solid post-closing client retention plan in place. Most loan officers don't have anything in place. And if they do, it's some automated boring drip out of a uh, out of an email program. It's got to be more. At a minimum, do HomeBot, which is way better than anything else. So if you just did that, you'd be way better than most loan officers in the entire country. So start there and build upon it. It's got to be different mediums, video, uh, direct mail, handwritten notes, um, social media. You have to have different avenues, but it all has to focus around the client after closing because they're your greatest asset. Yeah, yeah, that that book of business is is your wealth is, is the way I always look at it. Yes, should we always be trying to get new realtors and new referral partners, but the, your book of business is, is truly what your wealth is in this industry. That's right. Yeah. And if you ignore it, remember, if you ignore your customers, they're someone else's prospects. So you have to stay in front of it. I think I heard somewhere that every month that you're not touching your database, you're losing 10% of your influence with them. And so if you go a whole year without touching them, it's highly unlikely they'll even remember your name. So you, you have to do better. That's why the Quickens of the world are in general eating our lunch because they have the budgets and they are going after our clients hard. Protect what you've earned. Take care of your clients. Take care of your partners. Keep it in your house, in your sphere, and then leverage that and look to top rate it, of course, with bigger and better partners. But take care of what you got. Don't try to chase the shiny objects until you can chase the basics, okay? So my uh, one of my old coaches literally got me a paperweight. It's literally sitting right here. And I know you can't see it, but it says basics on it. So you can make a lot of money if you just master the basics in this business. But so many of us want to chase the shiny object or the, you know, the new tech thing that promises to save world cancer type of a thing. And it's likely not. 
you know, pick up the phone, call your database, write some handwritten cards, see people, take care of your clients, deliver exceptional value, stuff like that. Communicate. You got to be, you got to be constant with it too. And persistent, you know, it's, you can't just do it one day because you felt like it and then not do it for six months. You know, you got to have a plan with it. That's right. I mean, anything's better than nothing, uh, but a system. So remember system stands for saving you stress, time, energy, and money. So that's why you have to have a system. It doesn't have to be complicated at all. You just have to have something set up to where you can do it or even better delegate it to somebody else to do. Wade, repeat that one more time. What does system stand for? You said that one time and it blew my mind. I never heard it. Yeah. Saving you stress, time, energy, and money. So you have to have a system and you can do the kiss one where it's like, keep it simple, stupid, Uh, but it just has to be something, whether that's theme days or, you know, whatever it's going to be, whatever coaching program you want to follow, where they tell you what to do on what days and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. Just do something that's structured. Cause I think it was Jocko uh, in his extreme ownership uh, book where he said, uh, structure equals freedom, not the other way around. So you, you, the more structured you can be in your business, the more freedom you'll have when you're supposed to be off the clock with your family. Uh, and that makes a big difference. So That's, structure equals freedom. I, I absolutely love that. Yeah. I mean, you don't, don't let the business control you. You control the business is, is what, I, what I tell my guys. So when you do want to take a vacation, you can, you know what I mean? And yeah. instead of chasing your tail and working, I mean, trust me, if you want to work till nine o'clock at night, work through the night, that's fine but you don't have to. Right. Yeah. For me, I'd rather have more staff uh, and uh, less profit on my P&L and a better quality of life than run really, really lean and me do everything. Look, I mean, can I uh, uh, analyze a complex tax return? Sure. Can one of my staff members do that and save me those like three hours that it was going to take to do that? Yeah. And I can make 40 phone calls during that time and get, you know, three leads. So just, you know, play to your strengths. For me, I'm, I'm the hunter. I'm, I'm the one that needs to be on the phone. Um, as my, let me back it up. We have basically six main things that we do that we, we the loan officer, has to do. Talk to a meeting with clients about uh, um, uh, financing. Talking to a meeting with partners about partnerships. Leading the team and counting the money. You got to be, you got to know your numbers. So those are like the six main things and everything else can and probably should be delegated to somebody else at a lower hourly rate. You don't have to do that. But I mean, that's at least how I've chosen to run my business. So if, if, if it's going to, if my hourly rate is 250 bucks an hour and I can delegate that to a a tech vendor or a a team member, for example, um, for, you know, $15 an hour, that is a great decision. But not everything needs to be delegated either. So you run it, you run your business. I run my business off of the four D's. I either do it myself, delegate, defer. So like a lot of the trainings and stuff that I watch and and do, uh, those are all deferred, uh, not during business hours, uh, nights and, and weekends type of a thing. Uh, and then uh, delete is the fourth D. There's a lot of junk in our lives that we can just do without. So just delete it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you know, and and please don't take this as an insult, but what I like about you is it's simple. You know what I mean? I'm a simple person too. Um, right. I don't like too complicated. I, you know, I'm I'm just a simple person. I like it. I like to keep it basic. 
I'm always trying to better myself and and I know you are as well, but I think sometimes if you just, if we just kind of go back to the basics at times, we'll be extremely successful. Exactly. Like you can literally make seven figures a year in this business. If you do nothing but the basics, it'll take a while to, to build to that, of course, but you don't have to get super fancy and, uh, and do all these types of things. You can, but if you just master the basics, that's how, you know, Super Bowls are won in the in the trenches type of a thing. So it uh, it's just uh, don't overcomplicate it. Pick up the phone, see more people, talk to more people. It's a contact sport. The more contacts you have, the the, the better you'll do. Perfect. Love it. I've heard that one. Yep. <laughs> so, wait, hey, listen, I just want I'm going to close it out here. I really appreciate your time. Uh, your yep. wealth of knowledge. I, I, I love I love your attitude about things. So. Thank you for joining us. I know you're taking time out of your day. We're all still extremely busy, but uh, which, what you're doing and helping out the community uh, is, is phenomenal. So thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, all right. So brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. Um, you can also listen to all the Broker to Broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere else where you can download podcasts. So please do me a favor. Please rate our podcast. Please subscribe to it and leave a review. Help us get the podcast out there and let everyone know brokers are better. Wade, once again, thank you uh, to my community. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you all. Join our Brokers Are Better Facebook group. Be a part of the Brokers Are Better movement by joining the exclusive group for A members and independent mortgage brokers to share best practices, network, and help our community grow. Head over to Facebook and search for Brokers Are Better, select the group, and click to join.